You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. Uh, I plan on using SeatGeek a little bit later in this season now that Indiana season is over, and I have a little bit of extra time on my hands on weeknights and plan to get out to a Mavericks game and see Yogi play, which I haven't had a chance to do. And you can be sure that when I do that, I will be getting my tickets on SeatGeek as I did when I went and saw him play last year because... Again, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners of the Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. So the way that you do that is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 71st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 398th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, April 12, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. And this week's banner moment occurred on Wednesday when Evan Daniels posted at 247sports.com that Romeo Langford will announce his decision on April 30th, the long-awaited decision, and that he will do so at New Albany High School. Now, the article uh, that Daniels wrote about this and included the same basic general positive comments about the three finalists that Romeo has mentioned before, you know, Archie Miller and the IU staff get the best out of their players. Bill self-success, you know, speaks for itself and he's had a number of big guards. Bryce Drew played in the NBA, so he apparently knows what it takes to get there and organizes his practices and off-court routines like an NBA team would. But Daniel's report preceded a flurry of crystal ball predictions flipping from Vanderbilt and Kansas to Indiana. Now that guarantees nothing, 
but it does suggest that the way the winds are currently blowing among people who, you know, at least have cursory knowledge of this, seem to be in the direction of Bloomington. And as a lot of people have surmised, it would seem kind of difficult for Romeo to announce this decision in front of everyone at New Albany, uh, you know, have a lot of people there for it not to be Indiana. Now, he certainly could, but again, it would just seem to point in that direction. We will see. You know, as far as what the Langfords have actually said, with Romeo's postseason All-Star games winding down, now is when they will actually sit down and really start discussing the decision in depth, though you have to think that at least on some level the conversations have been ongoing. Um, You know, the fact is we know how big of a moment it would be for Archie Miller and for Indiana if Romeo does decide to play his one season of college basketball in Bloomington. And frankly, right now, it's never looked more likely than it is at this moment. We will obviously have more on this as we move through tonight's episode. All right, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, we have one of the world's most renowned and respected bracketologists and the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson fan club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line this week? Man, I'm really starting to get concerned. You've got too much time on your hands, but uh, I appreciate the action, the, the new production elements, it's, and some of the others you shared before the show will uh, will be will be good as well. Uh, you, you know, for me, it, it's interesting w- with with the Romeo stuff. You know, I feel like I've seen a few people lately, uh, you know, kind of be critical of the way he's handled this part of the it's process, and and kind of you know criticize him for you know drawing attention to himself and some of those kinds of things, and I. You know, I kind of bristle at that a little bit when I when I look at it because I I think back to all the you know articles written and the pictures of him sitting there signing autographs and you know being really gracious with his time for all the fans that embraced him over uh, you know certainly the entirety of his career but especially this season and uh, you know I guess I, I look at that and I, I try to put myself in his his position I try to put myself in the position of of his parents and I guess ultimately I don't know that I see anything wrong with with what he's doing I think he wants to. Um, you know, share it with his his community, one that's been really important to him, and and as I said, really have, you know, embraced and supported him. And you know, we can all read into that whatever we want about that, what that means for IU. But uh, you know, at a certain point, to me, it's just kind of let him have his moment and handle it how he wants to. I don't think he's been, um, you know, just doesn't seem like somebody who has gone out of his way over the course of his career and over the course of this year to really turn the spotlight on himself. When uh, I think far a, a large number of people probably would have done that so uh for me let him have his his celebration and, and handle the announcement however he wants and uh and we're all obviously you know waiting on pins and needles starting to feel good i think in in many cases about you know based on some of the things that you mentioned but uh i guess to those who are a little frustrated by it you know we've waited this long we can wait another few weeks and uh you know let the young man enjoy his moment and, and it's a really important decision for him uh, you know, probably more important than the decisions any of us made about where to go to school uh, and the implications on down the road. So, um, you know, I think he's just been, you know, pretty diligent about what he wanted to look at. And and so as we wind down, whatever the decision, I, I would like to hope that people will support him and just let him uh, let him enjoy the moment and celebrate it however he sees fit. Wait, you didn't announce for Indiana at your high school gymnasium in front of uh, a gym full of people? <laughs> Surprisingly, I did not. <laughs> All righty, to my right, he is a high school teacher who describes himself as lead learner. He's an assistant coach for Western High School, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club, and the host of Talking Hoosier Baseball. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Thanks again. We'll never forget you, coach. 
Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? I love the walk-up music. That's uh, a big, big addition. I like it quite a bit. A little nervous there until I heard it, and I, I, I do approve. Uh, my take is, um, you know, we're we're getting some guys and we're getting some looks from some talented players, and that's exciting. The yes, we're waiting on Romeo, and I will second what Andy said. I think it's awesome the way the family has has handled it in this day and age of everybody look at me type of stuff. Uh, whoever. Uh, is the recipient of uh, of his national letter of intent is going to be very happy. I think they have a quality young person, a quality player. So that that's good. But I'm also looking at the 2019 class and the vibe that we're getting from some of the five stars in that class are, are pretty positive from the quotes as they start their AAU season and, and they are getting interviewed and talked to. I, I think I feel confident in a, a lot of these talented players coming to Bloomington and it's an excitement to start seeing the workout videos again. And you know these guys, in every program it happens. Uh, but it's nice to see uh, the guys that we follow in there working hard. And as far as Jawan's, uh, and we'll talk about that in depth, it's always good when players have the ability to go see uh, and talented enough to go see if they can make it in the NBA. And I think he's going to go and enjoy that time. And and I think that he will, uh, you know, have a decision to make. But, again, we have to like having players in that position and that ultimately is going to be good for Indiana basketball. Yeah, no question about it. All right. Here are the topics and the questions that we are going to address this week. Obviously, Jawan Morgan announced that he will go through the NBA draft evaluation process. What does that mean? Uh, we spend a little bit of time fantasizing about a lineup that includes Jawan and Romeo. Uh, and then we run through some headlines because a lot happened both for Indiana and generally in college basketball this week. And so we go through those and then we answer some of your questions. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio First, a, a quick suggestion as you go through this offseason, uh, if at any point you find yourself needing some new IU gear, whether you're looking ahead to get ready for basketball season, you want to pick up some gear for football season, you're going to head out to the BART for a baseball game, and you want some gear there, check out the official IU online store. And when you do that, use the URL iustore.shop because when you use that URL, it will take you to the official IU online store where they have the largest online selection of officially licensed IU gear that you will find anywhere. And when you do that, it's actually our affiliate link. And so we will get a 10% commission if you go there and then purchase something. So it's a way to buy IU gear that maybe you were going to buy anyway. Uh, and by using that link, you will also be supporting the assembly call because it helps us uh, drive a little bit of revenue uh, that helps offset our costs and pay Ryan's exorbitant salary, uh, which he's not here tonight. There is no truth to the rumor that he's holding out. This is just a routine day off, week off uh, for Ryan. But again, uh, the URL, iustore.shop, bookmark that. Use it anytime you're looking to shop for IU gear online, and you'll be helping yourself and helping us out at the same time. Again, iustore.shop. All right, you are listening to Assembly Call Radio. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. So, guys, Juwan Morgan announced that he is going to go through the NBA draft process. He is not going to hire an agent, but you know, go through the process get as much information as he can. He said in a tweet on Thursday, I just want to thank God for giving me this opportunity. And with that, I'm excited to announce I will be putting my name in the 2018 NBA draft. I won't hire an agent, but look forward to this opportunity to do what's best for me. In a release from the school, Archie Miller had some comments. And I thought the last part of his comment, uh, of his comment was really telling Andy. He said, 
The rules are in place to allow an individual to get valuable feedback, and we support Juwan in wanting to find out where he stands and learn what he needs to continue to work on in the eyes of key decision makers professionally, which just kind of the way that that reads to me, it sounds like a coach who kind of assumes that he'll be back, kind of like Robert Johnson was last year where it took him a while to announce the decision, but everybody kind of assumed he would be back kind of understood what he needed to work on for the professional ranks uh, and was there to play out his senior season. That still seems to be the expectation um, of you know most of the people that I talk to. What is your take on Juwan putting his name in the NBA draft? I think it's the smart thing to do for for him and and really for anybody in a similar position. Uh, you know, we saw that with Robert Johnson last year. I don't know that anybody ultimately you know thought that he would leave. I think Juwan, there's certainly more a chance that he would than, than what we saw with, with Rojo a year ago. But, um, you know, as you said, I think Archie's comments and I think most things that you see out there would suggest he'll be back. There's obviously a lot of moving pieces of guys who may or may not stay in um, that can impact that and how well he performs in workouts and, and those kinds of things. But for anybody who has, has kind of played their way into that position, uh, I think it would be foolish not to take this step and, and figure that out and whatever he decides um, he decides. But I think it was, it was inevitable. It was it, to me, I was surprised that it took this long to announce anything. I'm not sure when the deadline is to get in. Uh, I think you, you've got some notes on when the, the timing is to get out. Um, yeah, the 30th, so I was, May, May 30th yeah. is the time to get out. So quite honestly, I was just surprised he hadn't done it sooner as you know, as other guys have announced. And I, I, you know, there's ultimately no downside. I think some people like to come out and have a hot take that, you know, some of these guys are wasting people's time by putting their name in because they know they're not going to get to me. If that's what the process is, then you might as well take advantage of the process given, um, there are probably some other processes and things in place that maybe take advantage of the players. So if you've got one that works in your favor, you might as well uh, might as well take every chance you can get. Yeah, no, no question about it, Coach. Your thoughts on it? You know, he had an outstanding year, and I think to for for one way to look at it, he might be at his best right now at the NBA, and he he deserves the right to find that out. And when he goes and plays for the coaches and the scouts, they will tell him, you know, if he has a chance of being drafted. And, and then it comes down to his decision of, you know, a second round or a free agent in the G League versus playing at Assembly Hall. And again, with some new recruits coming back, will that be better for his future? I, I think for all of the money that's made in the game and all of the time that these players do, I like this rule a lot. And, and I think to take advantage of it is the right thing to do. And to not take advantage of it uh, is just missing out. And, you know, I'm not sure that he is at the level where he's going to be drafted. Uh, but again, go find out and then, you know, weigh, weigh your options. And, you know, when, when you have a good year, it's just like um, Carson Edwards, too, at Purdue. When you have a good year, you better go and put your name in and see exactly where you're at. Because you can come back and have a bad year and your stock can drop. Or you can come back and, and improve that. And you you really don't know that unless you go and and try if you've had a good year. If you didn't have a necessarily good year, it might be a waste of time. But I think, you know, Juwan, fans should be happy that he's doing it and that he's in a position, and Archie got him in a position to to be considered. I have to think that most are. And the other thing with a guy like Juwan, who's, you know, had so many injury issues, I mean, you know, as you said, coming off a big season, you know, who knows? Maybe this is the time to strike when the iron is hot. But, in, you know, if he wants to just play professionally, I think in terms of the NBA, you know, he's not appearing on top 100 lists. He's not in anybody's mock draft that I have seen. I think the general consensus is, you know, he probably won't get invited to uh, the NBA draft combine. And that's really the key 
moment to, to look forward to now. That's May 16th through the 20th. If he gets invited to that, you know, if you're really hoping that he comes back, you might want to get a little bit nervous, but I would hope that your reaction to that would be extreme joy for him that he would get uh, invited to that. Um, but if he doesn't, you know, then I think that the assumption would be safe that he'd be coming back. And, and again, the deadline to withdraw is May 30th. So, you know, we will watch that. You know, we'll see uh, how long uh, that goes into the year. But as I said, from Archie's comments, it, that sounds to me like a coach who thinks he'll have his senior leader back. Um, but again, it, uh, it, it remains. It's always good from a coaching standpoint to get another opinion too. Yeah, you've been talking to players. You know, if you have them two or three years, then they go out and you get an opinion not from parents or agents or anyone who's got bad vibes around. But you go to the NBA and the scouts, and those are legitimate people, and they come back and they say exactly maybe what a head coach says needs to work on. And now you have an ability to help a player grow even more. So it could be advantageous to the program to send players to get information about a skill that needs to be, be developed. So they're more open upon their return back to campus. Yep. All righty. Coming up with current betting odds, seeming to favor both Juwan and Romeo being in Bloomington next season. We take this opportunity to properly fantasize about what an Indiana lineup would look like with both of them in it, you know, before any news breaks next week that makes us think that that's not quite likely. So we'll have some fun talking about that. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. All right, so... We talked in that first segment about why things seem to be kind of pointing in Indiana's direction for Romeo Langford. We talked about Juwan Morgan putting his name in the NBA draft, but I think the assumption among most people is that he will play at Indiana for his senior season. So we got this question from Jay Horry, and thanks for submitting this, Jay, on Twitter. Assuming Romeo and Juwan are both at IU next season, what do you think the nine-ish man rotation looks like? He said, I think we can pencil in Romeo and Juwan for 30 minutes a game each. Seems like a safe assumption. Uh, where are the other 140 minutes going? Uh, so, Andy, you know, just to kind of set the stage here, and then I'll kick this to you. When you look at what the roster would look like next year with Romeo on it, with Jawan on it, you know, in terms of your ball handlers, you've got Devontae, Al Durham, Rob Finnessy, Romeo Langford. Uh, in terms of your wings, you've got Jawan, uh, uh, Zach McRoberts, Justin Smith, Jerome Hunter, and Demise Anderson, the two freshmen. And then in terms of bigs, You've got Deron Davis, although you know, no one quite knows how healthy he will be come the start of the season. Clifton Moore, Race Thompson, who redshirted this year, and Jake Forrester. So as you project forward, Andy, what do you think the starters would be? What do you think the rotation would be? And it might be interesting to look at what you projected to be at the beginning of the year and maybe what you think the ideal would be for the end of the year You know, once some of the younger guys have a full season under their belt. Yeah, it's it's an interesting group. There's not any you know, kind of clear people that you take out of the mix immediately. I think the first guy that I would add on top of that is Justin Smith. I mean, to me, he's the, you know, kind of next most obvious one to get big time minutes. If you, if you assume, you know, growth from you know, year one to year two with him, once you get past that, um, 
gets a little bit tougher. I mean, I think it's reasonable to assume Devante, but um, you know, he continued to be up and down. And is he a guy that you're really going to be able to, you know, play a ton of minutes? I think he'd be in that rotation certainly. Whether he's a starter or not, I guess I would almost put him in the starting lineup by default. Um, and then at that point, it's really a matter of if you want to go a little bit, you know, bigger lineup. In which case, you'd probably go with, um, you know, maybe Race Thompson has the the uh, you know, kind of the advantage from from being a redshirt and being in the system uh, for extra time, or if you want to go a little bit smaller, then maybe McRoberts is there to to kind of set the tone defensively. Um, although, you know, Al Durham looks like a, a weightlifter at this point, based on the photo that came out this week, so maybe he works his way in there uh, as well. But I, yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess I would be inclined to say, um, I guess I'd I'd go Devonte Romeo. Juwan McRoberts and, and Justin Smith. If you, if you if you pressed me on a, a starting lineup, I guess that's what I would go with. But um, I think it gets more interesting when you start. I think it, no matter what those guys are in the rotation, if you expect it to be, you know, nine or ten men, I think the other pieces get a little bit interesting. But curious to see if you guys would would think a different lineup would be there out of the shoot. I mean, those that seems to me like the obvious choices for the starting lineup at the at the beginning of the season. You know, I think. You would have to think Devontae is kind of penciled in at the start over Rob Finnessy, you know, just because of the experience factor. Um, I agree with you. I think you know you can write in pen Romeo Lang for Justin Smith, Juwan Morgan, and then it could depend on matchups. It could depend on Deron Davis's health. You know, it's going to depend on how much does Clifton Moore progress. You know, is he in the rotation? How good is Race Thompson? We have no idea. We've never seen him play. Um, and a guy like Jerome Hunter could be an X factor because he's so talented. But is he ready? you know, to be at a, at a starter level or, you know, in the top seven of the rotation right off the bat as a freshman. You know, we don't know any of that, which, you know, obviously makes it hard to project forward, you know, four or five months in advance. Um, but coach, as you look at it, uh, what do you see as, you know, kind of your, your opening day lineup that you would project forward and then the guys that you would think would certainly be in the rotation? Well, I, I think Morgan uh, would definitely, I mean, there, obviously – you got guys who are going to start. I think the question, it comes down to McRoberts. Um, he was so valuable this year. Does he deserve to start at the beginning of the year? Or is he one of those guys that just comes in and jazzes up uh, the team defensively, hustle, diving on the floor, getting deflections when when they're needed? At, from a coaching standpoint, sometimes, too, your starting lineup's not your best lineup. And one of the things when you have depth that you can do, you can mix and match. And you can have some offensive players maybe come off the bench and, and be, you know, at the five, six, seven minute, whenever you want that first rotation, come in and provide some instant offense. So you might see a McRoberts first and a Smith uh, coming off the bench. And it's about minutes played more than who starts and who comes off the bench. I am very intrigued to see Race Thompson. I, I just I have a feeling that he's going to play a lot early and, and you know, especially with Duran's injury, it'll be interesting to see how they play that five spot. Do they go small and put Jawan Morgan at the five and Smith, McRoberts, um, Romeo, and, and a point guard? Or do they play, they have four fives or four people who can play the five. Are they going to rotate those in, in some fashion? So I think McRoberts starts at the beginning of the year because of what he's done to set the tone um, and then fit, you know, around the the opening spots at the at the one and the five you know and the i other, think that oh go ahead andy I, I think the stuff about the the center or playing bigger i guess i'll i'll use the center position as kind of a proxy for that i mean that that becomes really interesting because there's none of the four guys that you kind of listed in that spot like they're all kind of unknowns at this point 
for one reason or another, you know, kind of assumed that Duran probably isn't 100% at the beginning of the season, which I think is a fairly reasonable assumption. So that was one of the reasons I didn't even mention him and what I was thinking. But you get past him, you've got Race, who I think, again, will benefit from a year in the system. We didn't see a lot of Clifton Moore. Um, I think there's a lot of unknowns about what he he can be. Uh, and then Jake Forrester, who is is obviously a little bit raw from a recruit standpoint, but might be the kind of rim protector that Archie really wants. So if they want to go big, I could see that happening. I just don't think it, there's no clear cut. This is the guy that would be the you know clubhouse leader if, if you wanted to play one of those guys. And I think that part of it becomes intriguing because you're probably not going to see all four of those guys play if you start you know, whittling it down to a rotation. I, I find it hard to believe that all four of them would would make that rotation. Uh, as you start thinking about bench guys that you're going to play a lot, which I would assume you, it would be a guy like Jerome Hunter and would be a guy like Rob Finnessy. I think those guys are going to be in the rotation um, regardless. And so it just becomes, you know, the two of those four, you know, guys at the center position really work their way in. I, I struggle to see more than that. So that'll be an intriguing thing to watch. I, I do agree that that's probably where the 10th man will be. And in some days, maybe not play. And and depending on the rotation and the game flow, they, they move uh, a Justin Smith to the five as they did a little bit this year, Jawan to the five and take advantage of that. But you do have four guys and to find playing time uh, that five position. And again, we're, we're at, we're at a situation where we're going to start seeing that this, all of them pretty much short of the point guard are interchangeable. Um, but I, I just uh, I, I am concerned about Duran and his injury and his movement uh, on the defensive end and offensively. But you can do stuff with him, and, and that's why I say he might come off the bench, come in and feed him in the post after we've hit them with a lot of you know quick offense and shooting, and then we have a post player come in and off the bench, and then you can come back. There's a lot of flexibility uh, with that kind of lineup, and we might not even have the complete information because there's still a scholarship open. <laughs> so, you know, Indiana could, even if Romeo comes, there will be a scholarship open. Indiana could get a grad transfer guy in the backcourt, could still add a frontcourt piece. You know, maybe that scholarship goes to Zach McRoberts uh, for the year. So we don't even know that. So that could change the equation too. I still, even if Romeo comes, would love to see Indiana get an experienced guard. Now, you might have to temper your expectations for what kind of grad transfer you can get if it's not a guy who's going to be guaranteed, you know, a certain role or a certain amount of playing time. But if you could just get a guy who's, you know, been a three-year player, you know, a solid ball handler, a good distributor who can come in and give you eight to ten solid minutes when right now you're counting on the inconsistent Devontae Green, you know, Al Durham, which we're still not quite sure exactly what we have with him, and then a freshman, Robert Finnessy, there's still, I think, a big opportunity there for a guy like that. Um, and so that could change a little bit of this, you know, rotation that we're talking about as well. That would fit into a three guard type of lineup with Romeo really playing kind of like the three uh, and a shooter at the two and a point guard. And then you got all those bigs, Smith and Jawan and Reese and Duran fitting in those last two spots. Uh, and a competition's good because it makes people accountable in, in and out of games and practice. Yep. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Uh, so, Andy, this question came in via Twitter. Again, assuming we get Romeo and Juwan stays, and you addressed this a little bit last week, but let's just cover it real quick here. Where do you see Indiana ranking in the Big Ten with, with those two guys on the roster? Uh, you know, I think I think what I saw last week had them, I want to say, eighth or ninth, right in the middle, let's just say in the middle of the pack. I think it maybe puts them in the top, four I, I maybe maybe around fourth or fifth i you know it's somewhat hard to say i think the 
you know, again, there was kind of a, a, a cluster of teams that seemed to separate themselves, at least in terms of those preseason top 25s. Um, maybe IU works its way into that potentially, but I would say maybe it jumps them up to, to fourth or something like that. Um, just just kind of guessing. Mm. And, and some of that obviously depends on other guys who you know, stay in the draft that could, you know, cause their teams to fall a little bit. But I'd say around fourth, I guess. Okay. All right. So let's let's look at it this way. Um, and this question was posed on Twitter as well. And and it's a difficult one. I started thinking about it, and it's a hard one. And coach, I'll go to you first with this. So, what if you had to pick one? Like you have to pick only one of one of these. Juwan stays for his senior year, or Romeo comes for his freshman season. Which one are you picking? Um, and I suppose you know criteria maybe is important here. Uh, you know, you can look at it either just in terms of next year, or in ter- in terms of you know holistically the impact that it would have on the program. Um, just, I guess, you know, kind of pick whatever criteria you want, but uh, what's your answer there? Juwan for his senior year or Romeo for his freshman season, which we assume uh, it would I, just I, be one year for Romeo. Yeah. I, I'm going to go Romeo and, and the, <clears throat> I, I hate to make that because you want to honor Juwan for what he's done. And if he wants to come back, you know, he, we're going to take him back. And, um, but the reason is for the, what you said there, the impact that it has a local five-star says yes to Archie Miller. And that impact might last two or three years and, and help recruiting down the road. And we need guards. Um, we have Justin Smith. We have Duran if he comes back healthy. We have a race Thompson. Uh, we need a scoring guard either through that transfer or through a Romeo. And if Romeo, if we if we went away from Romeo, I think we would be hurting at the guard position. So uh, a real tough decision and one that I'm not really happy to answer because I, I like both of them and respect both of them and want to see them in, in the Indiana uniform next year. But I, I would go with Romeo. Andy? Uh, Brian pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. I said the same thing. You feel bad sitting here and not saying Juwan. Um, but I think if you look in the short term and the long term, the implications of, of Langford coming feel, you know, you'd feel the ramifications of that further down the line than you would um with juan which um i, I guess it's a it would potentially well I, I guess it wouldn't be a good problem to have because we would ideally like to have them both but um it, you know i i guess i would lean that way just because of the longer term in the short term uh, i think it still might be better just because there's not a, an obvious replacement for for romeo i don't know that anybody in the roster is going to replace juan either but some of the skills and and stats you could kind of cobble together with what other guys that you have on the roster, assuming they, you know, step up and play well. Uh, you don't have somebody we saw last year. You don't have somebody you can cobble together to get what what Romeo would bring to the table. I think Archie could find room for both. Yes, yes, Ryan. We know that he could find room for both. Uh, but the question is, if you could only do one, I I agree with with uh, with both of you guys. Um, and I think you know, Brian, what you said about just you know the impact you know of getting a recruit on Romeo's level um and the fit you know I hadn't I didn't think about that that angle of it It, you know I think uh, I think Juwan as a senior will be a better college basketball player than Romeo as a freshman although Romeo will be a more dynamic scorer you know I think Juwan is uh, would be you know more I would expect him to be more consistent game in game out but I think overall in terms of the impact that it would have on the program um, I agree with you. If you had to pick one, you know that's uh, that's what you would go with. But uh, as I said, and as we've been talking about, and I think the reason why there's a lot of optimism right now this week uh, is, you know, it, it does, you know, kind of feel like that there's a, a better than decent chance that Indiana will have both of those guys um, for next year, and that's obviously exciting uh, as we look forward to next season. 
Alrighty, uh, coming up, we roll through a bunch of headlines, including the latest bomb that was dropped by the FBI, and why Big Ten fans who don't live in a state with a Big Ten team could start to find it really hard to watch Big Ten games next season. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you need to be on our newsletter list. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post-game analysis emails once the season begins again. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. So we're going to talk about headlines here in a second. But, uh, Brian, you made a really interesting point there uh, in between segments, and I think we should bring it up here because uh, we're talking about the grad transfer, and I had made the comment that maybe now you know Indiana would need to look for, I guess, a, a lesser, for lack of a better term, grad transfer who would be okay you know, playing 8 to 12 minutes, you know, kind of a reserve guard. But you, st- you, you think there's still an opportunity for a, a starter level to come in and move right into the starting lineup and play key minutes uh, if you can find the right guy. Yeah, I, I think if Archie wants to go and and he's going positionless, but three guards, you you have a all time out of this world scorer coming. If it's Romeo, he can slash, he can pull up, he can hit the three. But there's also room on the other wing for a knockdown three point shooter that goes with a couple point guards in Fennessy and Green as drives, and you add a post up player, and now you have weapons in a in a lot of areas. If Romeo has to play the two, then you're a little bit different. I think shooting has been a problem uh, for Indiana. And then the other thing that, uh, you know, freshmen have ups and downs, as we saw with Smith and, and, and Durham. You know, we have a good class coming in. They're going to play, and they're going to play well at times, but they're also going to have ups and downs. You bring that graduate transfer in who's been through three or four years at a school and has produced and hit shots, that's someone that you can rely on to help with Demizi and help with Hunter and help with with these guys as they're ga- gaining their Big Ten feet, uh, and so we can win some games. I, I think there's a spot for uh, you know a 14 to 18 point scorer at the guard spot, and, and I think uh, maybe they're waiting to see a little bit what Romeo does, and and then maybe targeting something like that. I I, I don't know for sure, but that's something I would probably do. Andy, are you buying that? And if so, do you have any possible names, you know, of guys that you've seen out there that might fit that bill? I, you know, it, it, it's it's fun to think about. And then you got to go to the other part where it's like those minutes got to come from somebody else. And and we know that Archie really coming in and, and he showed last year he doesn't want to have as deep a rotation as, as Crean ran. So at some point you start to, you know, try to wonder who then becomes the odd man or odd men out uh and how's that how does that go over and that, that you know that turns into all the you know kind of roster construction and uh being able to manage you know expectations and, and personalities and all those kinds of things so i think that's where that starts to get difficult because you know we look down and we're all excited about the depth but some of the guys that we've probably mentioned even already are not going to play that much so, you know we talked about the four guys in the center position i would argue two one and probably two of those guys on most nights are not going to see minutes. And so you got to start, you know, trimming that out. So 
it, it certainly is that there isn't a need for that in my eyes and, and certainly shooting was an issue and um even if he could get a you know a steady point guard who had been somewhere for for a while to help uh you know grim fantasy or things like that i think that would be interesting um i just think it then becomes even more interesting kind of the next domino of who does that take minutes from and what does that uh you know what does that ultimately mean um for the future of some of the other guys that are there so um and it, not and a reason to turn your back on any possibilities that are out there and there's some good players that have uh, have decided to do that. So I think he, you know, you owe it to the program to I- explore whatever options you have and let the chips fall where they may once that happens. And, you know, and if we're going to do the Villanova thing too, you're, it's up to the coaching staff to sell. You're coming in your freshman year. You're going to play a little bit. You're going to learn. You're going to be a four-year guy that get old, stay old thing. We're going to need you. But right now we're going to, you know, uh, and maybe that's the recipe that's working. And, Maybe it's an all-out red shirt, and I, I know it's hard to recruit guys if you're going to red shirt them. And maybe these guys weren't planning on doing that and thinking they're coming in. So, but boy, that Villanova program has got some guys that have come in and played right away. Had some guys that have transferred in and so forth. And so, you know, yes, it is tough, but again, the competition raises all you know uh, levels of of play, and, and that that's going to be interesting. I just think it brings a veteran presence. Um, uh, the point guard thing that Andy said, too, is nice, too, to to get Devontae calmed down a little bit. But when you look at people in the roster, you got Devontae up and down. You got Duran coming off an injury. Those are players that we think are going to play a lot. And if things don't work out, you're going to need players to play for them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the leadership thing that you mentioned is important, too, an experienced guy. Because when you really look at the roster, there's a ton of freshmen and sophomores on here and not a whole lot else. So, um I do think that that part of it is as intriguing to me as anything, because really outside of, you know, Juwan, you don't have anybody who's played a ton of minutes. McRoberts obviously played a lot last year. Devante in, in spurts um, played a little bit. And, and you know, Duran, as we said, you just don't really know. I mean, that's not a lot of experience. So that part of it is intriguing. I mean, there's lots of things about it that, that are intriguing. It's just, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, how you fit that, that puzzle piece in. You got to rearrange some others to do it. You guys are amazing. I don't know how you do it. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. All right, let's hit a couple of these headlines. So the the latest bomb was dropped by the FBI, obviously ensnaring the Kansas basketball program and the NC State basketball program uh, in particular uh, for apparently... Bags of cash. Yes, bags of cash uh, that were dropped. I I believe with Kansas, it was uh, for Silvio D'Souza, who a lot of people thought was going to go to Maryland and then, and Andy, correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, to get him to go to Kansas, they had to, I guess, pay off money that he had taken to go to Maryland and then, you know, give him extra to go to Kansas. And so, uh, you know, and I don't know all the details of the NC State one, but the Kansas one is the one that is, you know, most relevant, I think, to IU fans, obviously because of, you know, Romeo Langford being recruited by them. Uh, I don't particularly think this will impact Romeo's recruitment at all because I can't see anything happening to Kansas next year, like them getting an NCAA tournament ban for next year or anything like that that would affect him while he would be there. So it's kind of a you know a juicy little thing to maybe talk about or think about, but I don't think that would impact the decision. Um, but it is interesting in the larger sense of college basketball, you know, because you know, does something happen to the Kansas program here long term? Uh, you know, are they stripped of a Final Four appearance of a Big Twelve title? Um, you know, so, so that part of it was interesting and, you know, just, uh, uh, yet another, uh, peek behind the curtain, uh, another look at how the sausage is made in college hoops. 
Yeah, I think Billy Preston was also involved in that for Kansas, who never actually played this year. So that doesn't necessarily have an impact on you know the Final Four piece. And and DeSuso is interesting because he, you know, they they managed to get him eligible midway through the season. Everybody's hoping he's really going to be able to give them some depth inside. And he had a few moments here and there, but wasn't a, wasn't a big one. But yeah, it was a pretty um, surprise commitment when when he changed from uh, Maryland to Kansas. Although it sounds like he actually really did want to go to Kansas. I, I listened to the. Uh, the CBS college basketball podcast. I thought um, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander did a good job of kind of breaking down. You know, this wasn't a case where he kind of was, obviously the money was a factor, but it sounded like Kansas was where he really wanted to go, maybe more so than Maryland. And I think, you know, the Maryland piece and, and Under Armour in general um, is an interesting where they weren't named directly, but obviously, you know, they kind of get roped into this um, because of what you said, where they had to get money to pay back what they'd gotten from Under Armour to then go do the other way. So um, they're kind of indirectly pulled into it. Uh, a bit there and you know nc state none of the coaching staff is still around at this point that was uh, related to dennis smith and those kinds of things but yeah it's uh you know it, it, i think everybody kind of waits for more bombshells to drop and maybe it'll just be kind of like this where it's a slow trickle of information that implicates another team or school uh here and there but i would agree with you i don't know that it has a huge impact on uh on romeo's decision unless more comes out that's to it but again most people i think thought you know, Kansas is getting big time recruits. Josh Jackson was was mentioned in some of the stuff earlier. They're a big Adidas school. Um, y- you don't have to work too hard to try to connect the dots to to think that there may be something going on there. Then um, this just provides, I guess, a little more color to what some of those details would be. It's about money. Yes, it always is. Um, so, did you guys see the story about Comcast that they have dropped the Big Ten Network? Uh, for people who do not live in states with a Big Ten team. Uh, so this caused a lot of furor, obviously, among <laughs> Big Ten fans, uh, like myself, who don't live uh, in a state that has a Big Ten team. I don't use Comcast, so it wasn't really that, that big of a deal, but it would have been a big deal. Um, but yeah, I, you know, so I don't know if this is, good, is it, this is a sign of things to come, if other cable providers are going to do the same thing, uh, Coach, but certainly something you don't have to worry about living in the state of Indiana. But uh disappointing for members of our audience certainly who there have to be who have comcast and live out of the area and now won't have the big 10 network so that uh that's just a a downer so have they dropped it all together or is it part of like a cafeteria plan where you can add it yeah, it's in? part of the sports I, well yeah it was part of the sports and entertainment package but now i don't know if it's still going to be part of that or if yeah maybe you can get it extra but you have to pay more for it um, but it's definitely not going to be part of that sports and entertainment package anymore. Yeah, I, I'm afraid a lot of us with a lot of different providers are going to be hit with those specific fees coming up uh, in the next five to 10 years. And, and it's, um, you know, you wonder if what it's going to do for revenues uh, down the line. And and we get a boatload of money anyway. It'll just be a less of a boatload of money, maybe. Um, I don't know any of the numbers. But there's a lot of alum alumni all over the you know, the country from Big Ten schools that would really like to see their teams play and, and appreciate the coverage. And, and, you know, there's people like myself that I'd like to see some of the Pac-10 network or the ACC network, and I'm not available to to get that in, in, in my area. So I, it's just a sports packaging. Things are, you know, ESPN's charging for an app now, and it's it's uh, it's the the way of the world. Some people think subscription stuff's not going to work. Uh, the athletic's doing a nice job of getting people, uh, in the print area. We're just in new territory. Um, 
you, you wonder if it's going to hurt recruiting sometimes too with uh team, you know, you're recruiting a kid from Texas and he doesn't see as many games that we're still on Fox and we're still the big, we're still on CBS point. and so forth. So <clears throat> those are some things. And I think we just got to see how it plays out. Uh, last little, little topic here for you. Uh, Cliff Marshall tweeted a picture of Al Durham. You mentioned this earlier, looking like he was on the Yogi Ferrell workout plan. Uh, you know, IU guards having massive biceps, just a thing. Um, Andy, do we overrate the annual off season pictures of players making massive, uh, you know, muscle gains, bulk gains, uh, and looking at these pictures. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that that, you know, that doesn't directly translate to better production on the court, but it is important to be able to show more from a recruiting perspective of here's how we can help you get ready for the next level and things like that. So I think it's probably more important than that, but it's like, yeah, it's like any other sport where everybody's had the greatest off season they've ever had and in the best shape of their life and all that. You hear that through every, every, uh, every level and, and every whatever else. So, um, yeah, I don't know that it means a whole lot to to what we'll see on the court, but it's certainly not a bad thing. And I think from a recruiting standpoint, I think that's where it's uh, it's probably most important. I think I need that as well after the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working my way out of the, you've watched a ton of college basketball and sat on your couch for a long time. So I might need uh, Cliff to take a you know, day trip over to Cincinnati for you know, repeated days in a row to get back into normal into normal non-basketball season shape yeah i agree with that wholeheartedly um all righty let's uh let's move on here to our final segment we have several questions that you submitted we will get to those here uh one of the questions asks us uh if we were jim delaney what one to three changes would we make to the big Ten's college basketball system that are realistic so think about that we'll answer it next in the assembly call You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. Wrapping up another week talking IU basketball. Gentlemen, we have a few questions that were submitted by Assembly Call listeners. Uh, best ways to submit questions for the show, go to Twitter, at Assembly Call, or people also submit questions in our Slack channel. If you're interested in joining our, our growing uh, Slack community, just shoot me an email, jared at assemblycall.com. Um, okay, so here's the first question. This is from Robert. If you were Jim Delaney, what one to three changes would you make to the Big Ten's college basketball system, in quotes, uh, that are realistic? And he says, I'll let you and your co-hosts and guests define what's realistic and what's not. Um, Brian, I'll let you uh, hit lead off on this one. What changes would you make to how the yeah, Big Ten I'll, handles college hoops? I'll go real quick here. And I, I think more protected rivalries uh, to see traditional play. I would like to see fair scheduling, and I think Andy uh, agrees with me and, and, and might talk about that. And, and, you know, we joke about officials, but can you make officials' ratings public um, or something like that? Because there are a few officials that uh, we would like to see reassigned. Any, you want to name any names or you want to keep that? It starts with Bo. And ends He's with Borowski. objectively terrible. It's true. See? And that's my answer. Okay. It's a good answer. Uh, Andy? Yeah, I think that the scheduling one is a big one for me. And I don't know how, you, you know, the Big Ten's obviously experimented with, you know, divisions and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know that any of that's ever been uh, all that successful. It certainly it works to IU's detriment in football. Um, but if you could do that, would that help the schedule be a little bit more consistent year to year? That uh, thing is always, 
you, know, you never really know when these you know single plays come out and how that all gets decided is always uh you know shrouded in mystery so i think that's one that for me would be good the scheduling piece that brian talked about as well just with the days between games that was a huge thing last year if they're going to continue to play the number of conference games on these you know odd nights of the week um you know to, to have some equity in terms of which teams have these quick turnarounds and the second one's on the road um try to level the playing field a little bit from that regard and then i think you know like most fans big 10 tournament being in in some alternate locations the last couple of years uh, you know, I, I think by most accounts, it went over better in New York City than a lot of people would have expected. I think part of that is just the um, mystique of Madison Square Garden and those kinds of things. But I think most people would like to see it held more, you know, centrally in the Midwest where it's it's been the majority of the time. Is it is it reasonable to ask for better announcers for Big Ten Network games? Like, you know, Crispin, he's great, but, you know, some of the other guys, Bardo... Yeah, Sean Morris. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, that may, those guys may be at the root of this uh, Comcast thing uh, in the end. And if, <laughs> and if Comcast manages to uh, strong arm them into getting rid of some of these guys, then bravo, Comcast. And uh, any negative things that we've said about them, we'll, we'll take back immediately. That's true. Uh, okay, next question. This comes from Scotchy in our Slack channel. Uh, and it's basically asking, what do we do with the other scholarships? So, with large incoming freshman class, including Race Thompson, whether Romeo commits or not, I say bank the scholarship until 2019. Uh, there are three to four great gets possible, in his opinion. So, you know, we've covered this a number of times, but I think it, it bears mentioning again. You know, I think what you want to do with that scholarship is you've got three options. If you can find a four year guy, you know, maybe a guy that decommits somewhere else and you just absolutely love him, fine. But you better make sure if you're going to make a four-year commitment that this guy is going to be able to play and contribute at least as an upperclassman because we've seen too many scholarships in recent years you know, get tied up in guys that you know, never develop or end up transferring out, and it just creates all kinds of roster instability. So if you're going to do that, you better be sure. And I don't anticipate that option coming. So I think you either go with a grad transfer who's only going to tie it up for one year, and then it's free for Trenton Watford or for Trace Jackson Davis or Keon Brooks Jr. or any of these guys, uh, or you give it to Zach McRoberts, and same thing. Now he's kind of, you know, he becomes that guy. He's a senior. He'll be graduating, and so the scholarship stays open. So if you're going to give it to a four-year guy, he better be on the level of Trenton, Trace, Keon, DJ Carton, some of those names at the top of the recruiting list uh, that Indiana's going after. Um, it, I assume that you guys agree with that, yes? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think you, you can't get yourself in a position where you have this huge bubble of guys. So I think that almost automatically rules out another freshman. I don't think there's anybody out there who's not committed that would be worth running that through and then having this bubble of, you know, five guys that you're going to have come through at the same time. Unless everything explodes at Kansas and Quentin Grimes decommits and Romeo wants to bring his good friend to Bloomington. But again, <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, okay, then this comes from Richard. He said earlier this week, Ryan Phillips wrote about the top 15 coaches. Uh, Archie was number 15. He had him 15th. Um, Chris Holtman was 14th. I thought that was wrong. I think Archie's a better coach than Chris Holtman, but whatever. Um, Where do you have Coach K? I did not read this. Uh, <laughs> that is a good question. He's a great coach. We know how you feel about him. Um, he was third. He, yeah. So the question from Richard is, I want to know if it, if he – if, if the list had been the top 16 coaches, would Alford have been number 16 since Ryan always says that he can't make it past the Steve 16? So I suppose that is a question that we will have to wait and ask Ryan uh, when he's back on the show. Um, any, we have about 10 seconds left, Andy. Any other hot takes from Ryan's list? Uh, no, I think the answer to the question asked, though, would be a resounding no. <laughs> yes. 
I agree. Um, all righty. That will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join and join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank everybody for coming out. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.